Hey, hey, this is your girl, Lindsay. We are here with the Integrity Matters podcast, and I am super excited today to be um, back with you for this September series. There is power in being a daughter. There is power in being a daughter. And this came to me from last month when I talked with um, all of my sisters that I had last month were absolutely amazing. And these three components that we talked about, the mind, body, and spirit, um, it goes with everything that we do in life. Um, and when I specifically was talking to Ms. Jackie Gamble, um, our mental health uh, specialist, about um, a healthy mind, we got into talking about a lot of things. And this week happens to be uh, coming up to the National Suicide Prevention Week. And I thought it would be very befitting that we would talk about suicide. It is very important. Um, the numbers, um, alarming numbers are going up for our daughters. So this episode, I want you to get your daughters, get your moms, get your aunties, your cousins, your sisters, BFFs, grab your daughters. And I want you all to listen and tune in. We're going to have a very honest, um, some of you might call it a little it may be tough for some of you to hear, um, but we're going to keep it 100 with you. We're going to keep it uh, raw and uncut, um, just an open and honest conversation about suicide. Um, this particular episode is the lifeline for our daughters, the lifeline for our daughters, because I believe that there is an attack. Um, when you hear these numbers, you'll hear what I'm saying. There is an attack on our daughters that the devil is coming after them at a very young age. Um, one of the reasons why we'll get into it, I believe, um, that because daughters are made to produce, daughters are made to bring forth, and that the enemy can cut that off, um, there will not be reproduction. And if he uh, can cut off the reproduction, um, he feels like he can win when he can get people to not fulfill um, their natural call, which is to produce one of them anyway, um, and spiritually as well, to bring forth and do what God has called us to do in the earth. Um, so any way that the enemy can stop that, he will do. So he hits us early, um, making us think that we don't, that we are not enough, that we can't see our worth, we can't see um, that there is hope, especially with going through a lot of difficulty. Um, so all those things and more we're going to be talking about today, um, highlighting National Suicide Week, um, how we can get through, um, different issues that we're faced with, um, and definitely providing lifelines for our daughters, giving resources, um, how to recognize signs, all that good stuff we're going to be talking about today. So get comfortable as we get ready to dive in. And I have my girl back with me. Yes, she is back. Um, cause she knows she is the expert. So she knows, and I'm excited, um, to talk with her and to dive into this with her. Miss Jackie Gamble, she's back again. So I'm excited to have you again with me on today, Miss Jackie. How are you doing? I'm great. And I thank you so much for having me back. This is definitely a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And I, I it keeps circling back around to me and I believe that there's no mistakes in that happening. So it's definitely something that has to be talked about. It has to be addressed. And, you know, as you already said, it's not a comfortable, frilly topic to talk about. It's, um, it's, you know, suicide is very final mm -hmm. um, and it's hard and it leaves so many unanswered questions. It leaves so many 
emotions um, that are not able to be dealt with because the answers are not there to even explain it. So we definitely, as you just said a moment ago, we've got a big, big problem that we need to be concerned about and we need to be tackling. And what better place to do it um, than in a place where we can enact the power of God and ask, you know, for his wisdom and intervention in this. So you're right. There's purpose for our young ladies, especially. Um, So I don't know, like, did you want me to kind of go ahead and kind of start talking about some of these statistics that kind of blew you away when we were talking about it? Yeah, we could talk about the um, the um, the general, because I know you said you had some general um, statistics for me. Um, talk about those, because we're, we're going to specifically talk, specifically, I can't talk today, specifically talk about the daughters and the girls, um, but just some general um, stats, and I'm sure those are as alarming as, because I was looking at some too, um, about suicide in general. Um, we'll start with that and then we'll, you can go ahead and talk about, um, the daughter's rights. Okay. So let me preface, um, this, uh, the statistics with this. There's so many, probably podcasts that you and I could do on so many different topics, but there are certain risk factors that make our black youth in general, male and female, more vulnerable as it pertains to suicide. And I get it. Many people may be thinking, well, why is this coming up now? What makes now different? Well, what makes now different is especially the exposure to social media, Mm -hmm. more exposure to minute by minute news coverage, Mm -hmm. um, oversharing or repeated sharing of certain disturbing footage, you know, different things um, such as violence that they are witnessing, whether it's in the household, at school, in their neighborhood, a lot of the stigma that deals with body image and things like that. And then they have things that are called ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences, which definitely um, increase the risk factor for what they call toxic stress. So toxic stress, you know, all of us are built to deal with certain stress, but at a certain point it becomes toxic when it is repeated and it is never dealt with and there's never any relief from the pressure of the stress. So I wanted to put that out there to talk about times have changed and things have changed and we are starting to see the impact of that. So with that being said, here's what I want you to know. Um, And let me tell you that some of these statistics I did get off of the Association of America uh, Medical Colleges and What you need to know is that Black youth between the ages of 5 to 12 years of age are two times as likely as their white peers to die by suicide, okay? The alarming number is Black youth, and once again, this is the young ladies and the young men. We're not just talking about the young ladies right now. 
this group of young ladies and young men between the ages of 10 and 19 had the largest increase of in their suicide rate of 78%. Okay. Wow. So that is a huge, huge jump. Um, and it has been ticking up. The wild thing about it is, is that every other group has been going down. Wow. But the black youth are going up. So they have had holistically the largest increase in those rates. So, um, and also just so that you'll know, that has been in the last like 20 years with regard to that 78% increase. So really from 2000 to 2020, um, so I don't have the statistics, you know, past 2020, but there are some, um, you know, other statistics that are definitely out there Mm -hmm. that even bring us more current. But here's what I can tell you. The trend has not changed from 2020 to 2023. So definitely work to do. There's a lot of hurting young people out there. Um, So did you want to say anything about that generally first, Lindsay? And then, you know, we can move into the young ladies. Like, what are your thoughts on uh, those numbers? (laughs) Scary alarming um and i know you said it earlier but i want to say it again so people in the back can hear us we need to kill the notion um and i have heard it said um you know white people only white people do that us black folks we don't do that oh yes we do um and the numbers show it um so we need to um look at the why and what's going on um what's going on in the minds of our children um that's making them want to and ultimately doing um to kill themselves um the article um that we're getting ready to talk about it it mentions you know young ladies that are um harming themselves and thinking about it you know if it's a thought we know um everything see begins in the mind you keep thinking about that thing long enough you're gonna do it I've been thinking about me some crab legs past few days, and now I sent my sister to go pick me up some, you know, and it's it's as simple as crab legs, but it's deeper when you're thinking about hurting yourself, when you feel like you are alone, um, when you feel like nobody understands. And I have been in a low place, um, but thankfully never low enough that I felt like harming myself, never uh, low enough that I felt like, um, you know, how about people feel if I die? You know, not that type of thing. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I know what it's like to be low. Um, so I sympathize and empathize with people that feel like they're in a dark place. And that's why I feel like God brought me up so that I can help others come up. So we're shifting and talking about our daughters now. Um, and it's just scary, you know, young black men. Um, like I said at the beginning, um, the enemy wants to cut off the next generation. Um, for reproducing um, men and women, um, but the daughters especially because they were made um, to produce and to bring forth. Um, and it's just alarming um, that a lot of our young people don't feel like they can they can make it in these age ranges. She first one you say like five or twelve, five years old, um, ten to nineteen. That is scary. Five years old. Why would that thought even be in your mind? 
what's happening in that home, you know, um, what's happening at that school, you know, that's making them have these thoughts. So we can jump on in there now. Talk about these daughters. What can we do to help them? Yes. So, you know, um, like I said, I just, you know, spoke about the African-American, you know, young men and young ladies. Um, something that I did not say, let me just say this too about them collectively, just so that you'll know that the third leading cause of death among those ages 15 to 19 is suicide. You know, um, and, and, and that's, 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 I'm sorry, excuse me. Suicide is the second leading cause of death. I apologize. That's even worse. Yeah. Um, it's the second leading cause of death in black children ages 10 to 14. Um, and then it's the third leading cause of death among black children ages 15 to 19. So I needed to correct that. Yeah. So the age groups is the difference. So if you think about that, the second leading cause of death. Oh my goodness. That's a lot. What's that age? So, uh, so the second leading cause of death, and that's 10 to 14. Wow. Third leading cause of death, 15 to 19. Mess amongst, you know, black youth. Um, and so this part, this statistic here is really what's going to be the, the, where we're coming from today and what we're going to be focused on today. During the past decade, the suicide rate among Black girls has increased at twice the rate as that among Black boys. So even now in this subpopulation of Black youth dying by suicide, we have in the last 10 years, the girls that are dying by suicide at twice the rate. And let me also make sure that I give credit for where I got this from. Um, it's from Girls on the Brink, helping our daughters thrive in an era of increased anxiety, depression, and social media. Um, and this is by Donna Jackson Nakazawa. Nakazawa. I'm gonna, I might be saying it wrong, but I, Either way, she got made sure she got credit for that. Um, and this it came from a book, but it's also an article from Psychotherapy Networker, whereas I got those um, statistics from. So, um, so yes, so the girls, the rate is ticking up. So this is why we're really wanting to make sure that we focus on our daughters on this podcast alarming and again scary you know and and it's it's crazy because i'm 37 push will be 38 soon um but even in our generation or when i was growing up um you didn't see that often you didn't hear it often um and i've been through it you know the bullying um it plays a factor um being raised um a certain way or in a certain um neighborhood if you will um, plays a factor and especially within our culture um I know how it was you know my parents didn't buy us 
you know, the latest stuff. So, you know, we always got it <laughs> because, you know, we didn't have the latest stuff. You know, we 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 had what we had. They made sure we were well taken care of, but it wasn't always every time a new pair of shoes came out, we were getting it. That's not how that went. <laughs> Your shoes are still good and warm, you know. So we we got it. You know, we didn't have the latest hairstyles all the time and you know, so I know what it's like to um face that type of scrutiny. But now that social media has made a huge impact, you know, I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 17, you know. So we didn't have, you know, that as a huge distraction as it is nowadays amongst our children that they got a phone coming out of the womb, you know. Um, they are, come out of the womb tech savvy. They come out of the womb um, knowing um, different things and being exposed to more and I believe that exposure um, is good and it's not good and we can see the detriments um, of what that exposure um, can do for us so you can talk about because we were talking earlier um, before we started recording about um, the bullying portion of it um how can that, we can start there, how bullying, how does that play a part in um, somebody wanting to end it all? Right. So I think that what people have to think about is what bullying does. Um, it diminishes a person's self-concept, their self-worth, how they perceive themselves, because if everywhere they're looking around, it seems like people, especially their peers, is very important, that people have this outlook of them as not being valuable, and they're getting that message in various places and various locations, it can become a very strong message to them. Right. Um, I think I've heard someone say before that after a while, you keep hearing a lie, mm-hmm. that a lie becomes the truth after right. a while. Right. And um, I think that especially if a person is dealing with, you know, other mental health issues. And when I say that, I'm not saying that they have a diagnosis. I am saying even someone, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast, even someone who is marinating in improper negative thinking on a continual basis. So imagine they're marinating on all of this negativity and let's say that they like you said let's say that the home may not be all that supportive Mm -hmm. or nurturing or attentive um maybe they're not so it's not that they're being maybe abused at home but maybe there's nothing to counteract Mm -hmm. all of that other negativity and so this side is not saying anything to counteract it, but they're getting all of this. Mm-hmm. And so it even speaks about in the article I was just referencing about girls on the brink. It, it talks about why this is so inherently um, deposited into, especially into girls mm-hmm. and how it goes back to the beginning of time. But a part of the very Maslow's hierarchy of needs when anybody took a Mm -hmm. basic college course well a a sense of belonging is a part of a need Mm -hmm. so 
bullying, now I am not saying that bullying is 100% responsible for individuals that make this decision. But what I'm saying is it does play into the the self-esteem and self-perception a person has about their self-worth. Right. Is what it can do. As you just said, you know, you and your siblings went through things growing up, as I know of quite a few other adults that reflect and say that school was very rough for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, not everyone does it lead to that point. One thing that I know just from, you know, having some interaction and observing and reading things about, you know, you and your sister, um, in particular, the one that I'm familiar with is that, um, you all had nurturing parents, have, excuse yeah. me, have, but I'm saying have meaning when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. You have, but you had <laughs> right. growing up nurturing parents, mm-hmm. attentive parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, you felt you felt that love. Right. You felt that support. You never had to sink or swim necessarily. Mm-hmm. You had that undergirding, mm-hmm. you know, that was there. And that is what helps to reduce those risk factors from a person just spiraling into that point of feeling so hopeless that death is the option that they consider Mm -hmm. but that's how bullying can definitely you know play a part in that without the right proper support systems in place right and you could talk about family dynamics again and in in the African American culture, especially, um, and in most cultures, you know, they have, you know, you know, this is the way we do it, if you will. Um, some grow up in, you know, me personally, you know, my sisters and I we grew up in a strict Christian home. There were things we could not do, places we could not go. Um, then when we get to school, it's like, how do I compete with? Everybody else coming back from summer break talking about where they went. And I know we ain't went nowhere but the church. <laughs> that is not a vacation um, place that I not, did not want to be at that time, you know. But, you know, I appreciate my upbringing, not knocking it at all. But um, the reality is that stuff could have um, taken root in us or in me um, and did a lot of damage. But I'm grateful that it did not. But those that come from you know maybe a rough upbringing they don't have that support um or that love you know having a parent that is present um and then not just present but actually showing and expressing um love to them I believe that that is a huge part um of anybody really not wanting to um or wanting to end their life because they do not feel love um especially in the home because that's where it should start especially with the child because children don't ask to be here um and I just feel like if you make a decision to have them the least you can do is show them some love and attention so how can um the home front or the home part of it um play a part in that yes so I know that one thing that I do talk to people about quite often, whether it's, you know, privately in a session or if I'm teaching a class or a a group and I bring up nurturing because most people feel pretty confident that they have a pretty good grasp on what it is to nurture. Mm -hmm. Right. And so 
here's where I think, and people, by the way, let me say this, people did not do this on purpose, but here's where some people fall short at and they don't realize it. So nurturing has typically six foundational areas, okay? And the areas that most of us were able to experience and get was food, shelter, and clothing. Some people didn't even get that as it relates to that because, you know, I do have clients that didn't even get those three. But the other, other three that I do find a higher number of people did not get one or the other of these three is encouragement, protection, and support. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you've <laughs> um, um, disclosed some. So here's what I will disclose. For myself, food, shelter, clothing, and protection was there. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was lacking for me was the encouragement and support. Mm-hmm. Right. So it looks different for various people. It just depends. Right. Some people only got shelter Mm -hmm. they didn't get properly fitting clothing or they didn't get their clothes washed and there was food insecurity Mm -hmm. and maybe something was going on in the home and there was no encouragement no protection Mm -hmm. and no support and that that protection could be a few different things it could be protecting a child from witnessing violence that's Mm -hmm. also something that people tend to um downplay Mm -hmm. is when they've had domestic violence in the home and they'll say but the children were never hit the children were never hurt Mm -hmm. oh it impacts them oh yeah so protection from witnessing violence protection of course from sexual abuse Mm -hmm. you know and just protection in general from just all kind of hurt, harm, danger, and neglect. Mm -hmm. So I think that that nurturing piece is what people really need to be mindful of when they have children in the home and they're taking care of them. That is more than just giving them a safe place to stay, making sure that they're full and making sure that they have clothes to wear. It goes, like you said, being a parent is a very intentional, um, uh, thing that has to be done. So, yeah. So that that's what I would say about, um, you know, the households that I think that some people don't realize, you know, mm-hmm. they're not doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Like I said earlier, some things are generational, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. You know, some people felt because you have to remember, especially when, we, when we're talking about the African-American community, that especially some generations ago, The fact that a person had food, shelter, and clothing for their kids, right off the bat, they were considered, that's a good parent. They got a good house. They come Mm -hmm. from a good home. They come from a good home. You know, they got this and they got that and they, you know, and different things. And we're not putting it down. That's great. But I think I did a post about a week ago that there's no amount of distraction, mm-hmm. extracurricular activities, um, buying things that anybody can do for a child that is emotionally disturbed. Right. Yeah, distract them from it. Mm-hmm. So they can have, and I'm going to go another level with food. 
you know, they could have a pantry that's busting at the seams. So there's mm-hmm. no food insecurity. They could live because, you know, this, I'm going to, you know, they can live in a biggest house that's mm-hmm. got oh, a yeah. lake in the back, a golf course, you know, mm-hmm. um, and every a pool um, and everything else. And they can have the top-notch designer clothing right. without a flaw. Mm-hmm. But that is not going mm-hmm. to improve their levels of functioning, their mood, or their emotional distress. Mm-hmm. So, that's powerful. Yeah. Yep, because a lot of times nowadays you see... You know, kids can't put the phone down because it's they're over the term I not won't it's not overwhelmed, but they're you know, they can't put the phone down. They're just too engaged with the phone that they don't know how to interact. Um, with human to human contact, they don't know what to do. Um, because we put a phone in front of them when they come out the room. Um, we put a tablet in front of them. We put the T V in front of them. Um and that's not a substitute, you know, and that is very powerful. That just the clothes and all the stuff you can physically buy them. Most of them are really crying out for that encouragement, that support, um, that love. Um, and to feel protected. You know, my mama went through some stuff um, when she was growing up. I didn't understand it as a child. She went through abuse um, as a child. So with me and my sisters, we were protected. <laughs> protected um she didn't feel my daddy would do anything to us but she made sure that he did not (laughs) because of what she went through she protected us and she's still doing it (laughs) and she raised us to um protect each other and i'm the baby of the bunch so my sisters yeah my sisters they are protectors um for me my parents you know and my dad he's a protector so that was yeah he's very protective of his daughters and his sons you know he's protective of us so i'm grateful for that and children need that more than the stuff i've gotten to a place in my life where i can buy what i want for myself but that invaluable stuff i'm grateful that i had that um growing up so how can we help those um you know and i'm very blessed blessed to have that but how do we help those that are not fortunate enough to have that in the home yeah um you know i want to you brought up something interesting about the phones and everything Mm -hmm. like that i don't think that uh i don't think that people pay enough attention to the fact that it's developing a disconnect for the kids like it's where they're so one, one of the areas that is causing a lot of the suicide thing is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm sa- I am not telling you that this is research. This is me personally saying this as a mental health professional and the interactions that I've had with youth. Mm-hmm. I feel that the more social media and, and, and device time and stuff that they're using, that is making them disconnected, meaning they're developing less and less skills. Mm-hmm interacting with human beings which gives them what social anxiety when they are around people they feel awkward they feel unprepared they feel incapable of 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 being with other humans in a very real and personable way you know um yeah and i so i do feel like people reducing that is like you know my granddaughter um 
she just started kindergarten. And so one of the things, even when I was a foster parent, it was the same thing that I enacted that Monday through Thursday, there's absolutely no TV, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's interaction, there's putting together jigsaw puzzles, playing with Mm Play-Doh, you know, playing with dolls, whatever it is that she wants to do outside of that screen time, because I want to, for those kids, I don't know what they did when they left my home, but like for my granddaughter and my grandson, when he gets to that age, to teach them to use their mind and their brain. And and this is how we can, you know, if they're not distracted with that, then we can communicate with them. Mm -hmm. We can teach them words. They can know how to interact with other people, which will be, unfortunately, it's going to be a rare thing at some Mm -hmm. point because they're not getting those social skills I feel that they need when they're glued to a a screen and this is why I feel the irritability is there when parents try to take them from it or not have them Mm -hmm. glued to it because literally it turns into an addiction Mm -hmm. it turns into an addiction and it turns into their safe place because guess what they don't have to interact with human Hmm. beings if they're on there and it just feeds their addiction so and the addiction piece is and it's just a tidbit not having anything to do with suicide but the addiction piece is that especially like tiktok for example like kids are scrolling and they're thumbing through Mm -hmm. and they're getting a good laugh on this for 45 seconds a minute a minute and a half 15 seconds they're keep they keep getting these doses of humor Mm -hmm. and it's like it's dopamine Mm -hmm. it's a feel-good hormone Mm -hmm. that and they're getting it instantaneously and it's like there's no there's no waiting for it there's no anything you know um and these are the individuals that have difficulty holding their attention to even Mm -hmm. have a conversation they sometimes become impulsive in their emotional responses they don't know how to some people don't know how to read faces Mm -hmm. some of the young people Totally, the social skills is being destroyed Mm -hmm. by some of this. Um, And so, and the other thing I want to say about parents, as a word of encouragement, parents, you are more impactful and powerful than you realize. Mm -hmm. And you all, a lot of times, underestimate the power of what I call there. You are enough. Because what it happens is, is that... When kids start having distress or unfortunately, you know, if they die by suicide, the parents talk about how hard they worked for the kids. Mm. Make sure they had X, Y, Z. I'm not putting you down for going and getting the things, you know, and and giving your kids a sense of of happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. But understand that you're enough as well. Right. You'll teach them how to be more appreciative of the people in their life and to really develop and value relationships more than things. If you start to implement that, just being there, time, they want to be seen by you Mm -hmm. and they want your time. You know, the, the, the things are nice, but the memories are better. Definitely. Um, and so you said that you wanted to talk about um, how do we like support the youth mm-hmm. is that what, yeah so I know that some of the things that you know just off the top of my mind I, I'm a pretty practical you know mm-hmm. therapist meaning I like to tell people things that it's like they don't have to figure out after I said it what I meant mm-hmm. so I'm gonna make it really so how about 
let's teach our kids how to do self-care first of all Mm -hmm. and self-care once again is not buying things Mm. but there's nothing at all wrong with a parent going and picking their kids up on a half day on a Friday or a mental health day Mm -hmm. or keeping them home on a Friday or whatever day you want for a mental health day Mm -hmm. okay and if you can afford it y'all go catch a matinee go buy some lunch you know or something small whatever everything doesn't have to cost money but just undivided attention Mm -hmm. and time and just giving them because then they'll learn over time how to take care of themselves right. in the same manner. That's good. Okay. And they, so it, 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 we have to model for them how to take care of themselves and take care of their stress levels and self-regulate. Another thing that I would say that helps kids is that being more, um, realistic and what I mean by that and here is a fear that some parents have is that if I'm more realistic my kids may not respect me they're gonna think that I'm trying to be their friend I'm not I you know they feel like it's gonna some kind of way uproot the relationship of them having of their child having respect for them if they overshare so here is an example um, that I mean by that so many times when kids are going to their friends and getting a whole lot of bad advice mm-hmm. and not coming to their parents is I can tell you this from a therapist perspective. Many youth have told me that they don't talk to their parents because their parents don't understand them. Wow. Yeah. Now here's what I'm going to say. Their parents absolutely would understand them. Mm-hmm. But kids have the perception that they wouldn't. And that comes from the fact that parents put this unrealistic pressure on themselves that they have to be so strong Mm -hmm. and they look at it as a way of protecting their kids okay I am not saying that you need to be dumping all of your problems on your children that's not what I'm saying Mm -hmm. but I am saying it's okay that your kids see that you have problems from time to time it's okay that you come home from work one day And you say, wow, you know, today was one of those weird days that from the moment I left the house, it seemed like nothing went right. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? They have those kind of days, but they don't think you do Mm -hmm. because you never talk about it. You never talk about it. But it's not only about talking about it. It's then being able to say how to handle it. Right. So here's what I here's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm glad to be home. I'm going to go in here and kick off my I'm about to go soak my feet or I'm getting ready to journal or I'm getting ready to read a book or I'm going to watch about 30 minutes of TV to, or I'm going to go to park and go for a walk. Or I'm going to go to the gym and do this. I'm going to go in there and, and color in my adult coloring book. <laughs> Think about all those things. I'm about to have me a, a hot cup of tea. But think about all of those were healthy coping skills that I just listed. Mm -hmm. So not only are you showing that you're human Mm -hmm. and your life is not perfect, but you're also modeling for them what you would do to take care of yourself when life doesn't go in your favor. So kids don't think that their parents can understand anything. But I also have had parents that are the opposite and they overshare too much. Right. 
So there has to be a healthy balance. They don't need to be privy to everything, but it needs to be enough to demonstrate that you get that life can be hard sometimes. And it's nothing wrong. And you know what? And even if they don't have, if you don't think your child has anything going on, this is where I'm going to tell you I'm noticing in some of the homes that I go in. I don't go in there to judge or anything, but I notice it. One of the most underused areas in the home is the table where food, meals should be shared. Mm -hmm. People are not sharing meals. And so I would encourage parents, you may be a single parent and it's just you. And you're doing everything. But can I challenge you maybe to one or two evenings a week? It doesn't have to be all seven. It doesn't have to be three. It doesn't have to be five. Start somewhere and then build it up and let your kids know that it's non-negotiable. Everybody comes. We're going to have, we're going to eat, you know, we're going to eat together. Mm -hmm. And that includes you as the parent because you work so hard. Mm -hmm. You deserve to sit down. And not have to be serving, 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 up, down, up, down, sit down, mm -hmm. enjoy a meal. You you need that for your own self-care, right? right? But it's also an environment where you can get some conversation um, stems, a conversation game. Um, if you're not sure how to generate that conversation, there's lots of conversation stems out there on Google as well. So there's different ways for us to get this going, but all of it has to boil down to this. This is my point. Incorporating your kids, be engaged with them, mm -hmm. interact with them, speak with them, show your own vulnerability like I just described mm -hmm. because it's going to teach them that it's okay to talk about feelings because mm -hmm. you and I have talked about this before Lindsay there's a stigma to weakness right. in the community when people share so we don't so that's the other thing is that nothing, we talked about it before, none of us were meant or designed to carry all of this that we carry right Kids have less coping skills than we do. Mm -hmm. So my goodness, what are they feeling if they have no outlet and they don't feel like they should? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that is contributing to what we're seeing amongst other stressors mm -hmm. that, you know, we're not going to get into today, mm -hmm. but that's ways that parents can help get engaged and connected, come in closer mm -hmm. to them. And then it'll become an, a, a, a situation where they get to feel and um, have that safe space to talk. And there's also nothing wrong with at if you want to start a conversation, you know, or maybe you can have a theme like things I went through in middle school mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Let them hear some of your stories. Mm -hmm. Let them hear that you had a crush on somebody once. Mm -hmm. Or somebody you really like dumped you and started dating the other girl in the next class. Mm -hmm. um, or these, let them hear that wow. you went through these things and they can see you're sitting there and you survived it. It's mm -hmm. not the end of the world, definitely, right? Definitely. So, yeah. So that's that's some of the tips that I have. That's good. I'm going to pause it just for a second. So this is part one of our series or our subject matter um, lifeline for our daughters. We have had a good conversation this fall with Miss Jackie, and we're going to um, get part two to you on next week. So um, be on the lookout for part two 
of this episode and I'm excited about what is to come. So until then, you all sit back and sit tight and you'll be excitedly and expectantly waiting on part two.